0: Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas, by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of
1: All right, guys, you are tuned into the newest episode of the Fistful of Cash podcast. I am your host, Dale Lippin, in here with the co-hosts of all co-hosts. What is going on, man?
2: Uh, Nothing much, man. Uh, Ready for a big weekend. NFL College uh, finally have another UFC card um, on the horizon, so we're going to cover some of that. Um, As you've alluded to on our Instagram, we have a special guest interview on this episode. This is a big Friday show for us. Um, we have some huge announcements to make, as you guys will hear shortly. Um, I'm hoping the audio sounds better. We made some investments as far as in uh, enhancing our audio, so uh, this is, I mean, hands down our biggest show to date. So I'm excited.
1: I'm excited too, and I am. I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm going to say this: this episode of the Fistful of Cash podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. We're about to do our first ad read. Oh my goodness, here we go. Mybookie.ag, guys. Go put promo code in. The promo code give me cash. Give me cash at mybookie.ag. They will match your initial deposit. Listen to this. They're gonna match your initial deposit a hundred percent up to a thousand dollars. So you go in, put your money down, and they will match it a hundred percent. You gotta go put promo code in give me cash. MyBookie.ag will give our listeners a 100% deposit match. Wild. So this episode and the podcast is now being brought to you by MyBookie.ag. If you guys need to go there, check it out. Love the website. It's our personal book that we use. So the odds that we give you and have been giving you, those all come from MyBookie.ag. And the posts that we put up on Instagram of all of our winning slips, those are actually screenshots from our slips from MyBookie. So, Guys, go there, mybookie.ag. Check it out. Promo code: Give me cash. Hundred uh, percent deposit match on your first initial deposit. That's it, dude. That's the big announcement. I'm pumped. Right.
2: Yeah, we are officially. We have our first uh, book sponsor. Um, our first sponsor in general. It's it's exciting. Uh, we're pumped. My bookie is a great site. They offer you know live odds. They offer up the minute lines um there's a lot of stuff to dig through on there guys make sure you get on there use the promo code gimme cash get your 100 percent match and uh let's make this money
1: all right well speaking of making money i'm pretty pumped up man uh we did great last weekend i think that this weekend's going to be even better and that being said i would love to just get into some football picks because like you said we have a huge guest we have ufc tonight commentator kenny ken flow florian on the show today as well which is going to be listen i, I had an opportunity to talk to this guy for a while and just a stand up dude we had a great time uh and i think you guys are going to absolutely love the interview like you said we've made some investments as far as audio equipment goes and everything else so hopefully with the magnitude of this episode everything meets the standards of the uh, of what you guys have come to expect and we just want to meet and exceed. So. Let's get some picks in. Let's make some money this weekend, and let's get it going. College football, what do you like?
2: So we're going to start out with, I know we've covered uh, Duke uh, at least once on this show, I think twice actually, Um, and we've also covered Pitt a few times, but they happen to play each other this weekend, and it's a really intriguing matchup to me. Uh, Duke's run game should be the deciding factor in this game. They average somewhere around 150 yards a game and the Panthers struggle against the run, letting up about 190 yards per game. Uh, Pitt played a hell of a game against Notre Dame two weeks ago, but I feel like that took a lot out of them. I know they're coming off a bye. They've had, they have the rest, but Pat Narduzzi is not the greatest coach um, and Pitt is not the greatest football team. So I don't feel like the bye week's going to help them out that this much, Um Duke's coming off a hard fought loss against a very underrated Virginia team last week. They've got a they've got a point to prove. Um I like the Blue Devils. Blue Devils to squeak out, a low scoring win here. The line opened at about five, I think it was Pitt plus five. Um I might have been inclined to take Pitt at that point, getting the five points, but with with it being bet down to under a field goal, uh I'm gonna ride with Duke here. Uh we're gonna take Duke minus two and a half in this game.
1: Yeah, I like Duke so far this season. you know, this is really I'm going to go ahead and say that they're probably everybody not in that program. They're probably defying expectations of what was uh, what was expected of them this season. Of course, obviously, as a player, you go into there, and you know, if if you buy into the system, you buy into the coaching staff, you buy into the people that are around you and surrounding you. You know, you you think that you're capable of of anything. And Duke, obviously, not being known as a football school, guys that go there probably, you know whether they want to admit it or not probably have some internal reservations or thoughts about what is and isn't possible going to that school but realistically this season has really been a coming of age story for for Duke football they are just playing fantastic football Pitt's pretty hit and miss like you said you know they either play great or they play fantastic or they play uh you know they 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 don't play that well at all so I like Duke in this game just be, out of sheer consistency of what we've seen from them this season. I think they're going to be ready to go, and I think they're going to get the job done. And with that point spread being what it is, I think that Duke you know, uh, has more than a fair shot at covering those points for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, D- Duke's really, like you said, um, you're going to hear a lot about Duke, guys college basketball is right around the corner obviously we're going to cover a lot of duke blue devils uh with the with the recruits they brought in this year you know zion williamson we're going to talk a lot about him um so you're going to hear a lot about duke but duke football like you said they're surprising um they turned the corner last year they won three in a row to end the season they made a bowl game but uh sitting right now at five and two uh it's gonna be pretty tough for them to miss a bowl game um it's It's nice to see a school that doesn't dump money into their football program because everything goes toward their basketball program. Put a team together and a bunch of guys who believe in each other go out and win football games. I like the story. I like the team. I like the way they play. Um, And just this pit, it's they're so hit or miss. They play very good teams, very good. And they play average teams, average and below average. So with that being said, that's, that's the Pittsburgh way as far as football goes. Absolutely, um, I think Duke Duke by a field goal, I think that's very reasonable.
1: Yeah, I li- I like that line too. Now that's that game, you know, is still going to be close, but we still like Duke in that. There is another game though, and this is one that we're really excited about. And it's back to back weekends now that we're gonna have one of these. We've got another max unit play.
2: Yeah. Um, so last week I said max unit. I capped it at three on the Oklahoma game. Um, I wish I wouldn't have. So this week I'm not going to, I'm just going to make this a five unit play. And this is something that is getting absolutely pounded right now. As of yesterday, it was Texas A&M plus three, which I, part of me wishes we recorded 24 hours prior. So I could have covered this when Texas A&M was plus three, because I'm taking that field goal all day right now. I'm getting Texas A&M plus one. Uh, My bookie's got them at plus one right now. They actually, there's no money line up on them. If you can find a money line play on, you know, if you're using a different site before you transfer over to my bookie, whatever you're doing, take the plus one, take the money line, five unit play. Mississippi state cannot throw the ball. It is that simple. Nick Fitzgerald has been nothing short of pathetic when throwing the ball since he came back from his injury they had extremely high hopes that in this new offense, this trend would change, but it's actually gotten worse. He was just absolutely terrible against LSU last week. He was 8 for 24 for 59 yards and 4 picks. Um, they put up a stifling 3 points. In 3 of their last 4 games, they've scored 7 points against Kentucky, 6 points against uh, Florida, and 3 points against LSU. The only game where they broke the 7-point mark was against an overrated and absolutely spiraling out of control Auburn team who has just been it's a it's a downhill slope for them they're it's just getting worse. Um now on the other side the team we're going with A&M so Mississippi State can't throw the ball their quarterback is a run first kind of guy. A&M actually has a very underrated run defense. They held Snell and the Wildcats to 70 yards. They held Bama to 109 yards on the ground. Um, they've allowed 76 yards or less in their last 3 outings. A&M coming off with of bye week, you know, I know how I said Pitt coming off a of bye week really doesn't matter. A&M's a different caliber of a team. They have a different caliber coach. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's going to have his boys ready to play. He's going to have a solid game plan and I I can tell you what that game plan's going to be. It's going to be get up early, force Nick Fitzgerald to beat you through the air. And if you force him to throw You're just going to go up even more because he's going to throw picks. He's going to turn the ball over and he's going to, you know, he's not going to be able to control the clock. They're not going to pick up first downs. I can't tell you how much I like this Texas A&M play. They're five and two. If you don't look at who they've played, you're thinking, Oh, five and two. That's not that great. They lost by two to Clemson and they lost Alabama. They lost the number one and number two in the country. And they should have beaten Clemson. Like that was a, very hard fought and well played game by a&m kellen munn's talented this defensive line is talented their wide receivers are huge i love a&m in this game five unit play texas a&m over mississippi state
1: it sounded like you just slapped the stamp down on this one
2: yeah oh yeah it's on it
1: okay all right well i don't have any i mean obviously you know your sales pitch is more than enough for this there's nothing that i can add to that other than the fact that i think that A lot of the mistakes that Fitzgerald makes just comes from sheer panic and poor decision making. Uh, You know, there's plenty of times where he could throw the ball or check down, and he just doesn't. So i I think that he's got a lot of growing up to do, in addition to you know basic mechanics and everything else that you know a lot of other things that he he needs to work on. But you know, you've really created a succinct argument there. There's really no rebuttal or or pushback on that. I love this Texas A&M play. I loved it. You know, when it was at three, I love it at one. I, I, I'm going to go ahead. I'll triple stamp your double stamp on this one. I love this play. And, you know, like you said, max unit play uh, for sure, 100%. So let's get into NFL games that we like. One of the ones that we're really excited about is Carolina versus Baltimore. Carolina is actually a home dog coming into this game, which I think is wild. What do you like about that game?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm just as confused as you are, and Carolina being a home dog here. Uh, you're not going to get any complaints on my end. Give me Carolina and the free two points. Um, these two teams are coming off totally opposite results. You know, we all know what happened to Baltimore last week. They lost in, you know, the most dramatic fashion in the NFL, the best kicker in arguably NFL history, missing his first extra point to lose the game. Uh, after blowing a double-digit lead on a – what I consider a productive game from Joe Flacco. And on the other hand, you've got Carolina, who made a tremendous rally to beat the Eagles after being down 21 to three. They have all the momentum in the world and they have Superman at home where he's averaging 27 points per game this season. Time and time or time and time again, Cam makes the right throw through the air. Um, Obviously his legs are dangerous, but when he needs to make the play through the air, He's doing it this season. He's coming up clutch a lot. Um, The Ravens are 7-19-1 in their last 27 games in the month of October against the spread, while Carolina's coming in at 6-2 against the spread in their last eight home games. Um, Like I said, I'm I'm confused. I don't get where this line's coming from, why Carolina's plus two. Um, That would mean at a mutual field that you're giving the Ravens plus, or you're giving the Ravens minus five in Baltimore. You'd say the Ravens are an eight point favorite. I don't get it. I like Carolina at home. I think that Cam does enough against this Baltimore defense to, if not, you know, lose a very close game. I think Carolina wins this game, but we're going to take Carolina and we're going to take the two points.
1: Yeah. I like, I, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent again, you know, I, I'm I'm pumped that you've, come with with all the information that you have you know I was sitting here with the against the spread stats and you just you know sucked them right off the page and and, and put them on your own I, I don't have anything for this one I think Carolina again I'm not you know I'm not sure where this home dog status is coming from you know this is one of those ones though that I wear I just want to watch it and you know sort of keep my eye on it maybe there's something with Greg Olson that's going to pop up on Saturday or something like that I'm not really sure where this is coming from. If somebody in Vegas or somebody, you know, has it somewhere else that, you know, that's making it the way that it is. My bookie has got it at plus two, every other, you know, site that I can find it on is at plus two. So, you know, this is a line that isn't going to move. So you guys should be able to find this exactly how it is. Uh, If not, you know, exactly where, where we're getting the, our information from. Um, And, you know, it's funny, I, like I said, I was going to pull up the, I got the against the spread stats here for you, Soup, but one of the cool things that my bookie does is they do it for you. So if you go to the game and click, there's a little ATS button and it actually gives you the stats. So if you're, if you don't have people like us telling you and you want to do it yourself, it's right there waiting for you. So we like Carolina. We like Carolina at home as a home dog, getting that, getting those two points. Uh, what's another NFL game that we're excited about this weekend?
2: All right. So we're going to come back to Pittsburgh Um, and we like the under in the Steelers Browns game, which is coming in at 48 and a half right now. Um, That's the most recent line that I saw on my bookie. Um, There's going to be rain in the forecast guys. Um, And as we know, rain and football don't really mix as far as offense goes. Um, It's a good Browns defense, a Steelers defense that actually seems to be turning the corner. I know that they've still been exposed throughout the season but over their last three games against Baltimore, Atlanta, and Cincinnati, all three teams who you know don't have problem putting points on the board, the Steelers are only letting up 19 points per game. Um, all these teams have much more production and more talent than the Cleveland Browns do on their offensive side of the ball, and the Browns are only averaging 16 points per game over their last three, uh, playing a team like the Chargers, playing uh, the Buccaneers, who are hands down the worst defense in the NFL. Um, I think the weather and the Steelers' motivation to make a point after that embarrassing tie week one play a huge factor in this game. Um, I think their defense plays well enough. I like the under 48 and a half. I'm going to say the Steelers win this game. uh, We'll get something like 27 to 10. Um, I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. I know he had a great start to his career with that comeback win and then the shootout in Oakland. But ever since then, he's just sputtered. Um, Teams are figuring him out. And I think Mike Tomlin, I think the guys, you know, I think guys like, um, Joe Hayden, I think he's going to be tough to beat for, uh, for Baker Mayfield. I like their linebacking core. They seem to be coming together. I like JJ's little brother, TJ. He's a good player. That defensive line is tough with cam Hayward. I think their defense does well in this game. They make a statement in front of the home fans, uh, under forty eight and a half here.
1: Yeah, I will say this, uh, being from the Pittsburgh area, if it's going to be a rainy day, it's going to be one of two kind of rain. It's going to be straight down, can't see rain, or it's going to be whipping all around with the wind rain. And with you know, with that being uh, the case, this game is in Pittsburgh, right? Am I wrong? Here are they in Cleveland.
2: I'm pretty sure it's in Pittsburgh. Okay.
1: Uh, Before I go into a weather yeah. tangent, I want to make sure that it's at Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure it was. But all of a sudden, I had that little like, uh, yeah, it's in Pittsburgh. Okay, that's about yes. that the hairs sticking up the, on the back the of my The first game night.
2: they played was in Cleveland. Okay,
1: all right, just make sure. Yeah. So, yeah, the rain only goes two ways in Pittsburgh straight down or it whips all around with the wind. And statistically, high wind games have lower, uh, actually affects the this, this score more than, than rain itself. All that to say that it's not so much a matter of whether or not Pittsburgh is going to win the game, it's just by how much. The under is going to hit because they're still going to blow Cleveland out. It's just going to be, it's going to hit because they're not going to beat them 48 to nothing. Uh, I I like your play, the 27 10, somewhere around there. That seems about right. I think they're going to write the ship. I think they're going to make a statement coming back from that tie. I think that Baker is frustrated, especially after last week. It looked like his soul left his body at the end of that game. He just looked like he doesn't understand how to deal with losing the way he's going to be dealing with losing with Cleveland and you know with with Hugh Jackson saying he wants to you know take over more of the play calling i still don't f- see that as being any sort of you know uh difference maker in a game like this i think pittsburgh wins this game i think they win it easily and i think that the under will still hit and that's primarily due to the weather not because of anything either either team's going to do so i like that i like that play as well
2: yeah. I mean, that's, that's all I've got for football, man. We're going to have, like I said, guys, we will have UFC picks on the the show, which we will cover uh, here in a little bit. And we will have UFC picks on Patreon this weekend. So that's going to, we're going to take it down to uh, two NFL and two college on the show and two NFL and two college on Patreon. So that covers football for us. I know you are excited to get to this. I will let you do the introduction and get to this interview (laughs) dude i am i am
1: excited listen you know this is if we're not annoying enough already this episode this is probably the most fanboy episode that that we've that we've had to date um you know kenny florian is is a legend in the mixed martial arts game you know and he's still on tv now you know ufc tonight uh, he does play-by-play you know whenever he's got to fill in for people uh, you've got the Anik and Florian podcast. The guy is just fantastic, all the way from you know from when he was on the Ultimate Fighter to what he's doing currently. It's just absolutely awesome. It was one of those ones. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Where it was one of those ones as a as a lifelong mixed martial arts fan, uh, and seeing the guy on the on TV and you know actually valuing his opinion and fight analysis to be able to just sit down and chop it up with a guy about fights and about you know, just everything that comes with that lifestyle and the analyst game and just all of that. It was it was kind of a surreal moment. Uh, You know, that doesn't happen that often. I'm not a guy that sits around and is, you know, uh, I guess you would say flustered by another guy. You know, I like to think that he puts his pants on one leg at a time just the same way I do. But it was a little bit of a it's a little bit of a fanboy moment for me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and pretend it wasn't. It was really cool. The interview was fantastic. We got some great insight. Asked him about some of these UFC Moncton picks that are coming up for this weekend. So I want to cut to those so you guys can get his breakdown. And then we'll be back after the interview. We'll break down the fights on what we like this weekend. And, you know, it's going to be – this is a fantastic show. And I hope you guys enjoy the, enjoy the interview with Kenny Florian. Here we go. UFC Tonight commentator, UFC legend. And uh, he hosts BattleBots on, on – sci-fi which is still a thing so all right without further ado kenny florian guys all
3: right guys you're tuning in to the newest episode of the fiscal cash podcast it is an absolute honor i'm going to try not to fanboy out when i'm talking to him i've got the living legend himself ufc tonight commentator battle boss host the whole nine you can't turn on the tv without seeing this guy kenny Ken flow florian and i'm not lying this is actually him
0: what's going on here <laughs> i'm doing well man thanks for having me <laughs>
3: All right, man. I'm just going to dive right in because if I don't, I think I'm just going to sit here and, and laugh the whole time. All right. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you how my day started out, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So I talked to a gentleman today earlier that you have a shared history with, and that gentleman is the uh, goes by the name of Chris Lieber. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this new trend that we're seeing of – you know, guys moving into this bare-knuckle fighting, uh, you know, realm of combat sports. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: You know what? Um, if there was a guy that was cut out for that kind of a job, it was probably Chris Liebman, number one. The guy is uh, tough as nails. He's got a big head. He's got big hands, uh, and <laughs> he likes to hurt people. So, And he can take a lot of damage himself. Um, you know, it's tough because, you know, honestly, I, I would like to see uh, Chris Lieben, you know, um compete, you know, w- with gloves on at least, you know, do an MMA fight, something like that. Um, it- it's brutal. It- it's brutal on your body, you know, that's for sure. So there are a little easier ways, uh, to, to make money. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, combat in, in general is, is going to be tough no matter what, whether you have boxing gloves on, little gloves on, no gloves on. Uh, it's all really tough. Um, it's probably not for me, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think Chris is one of those guys who who could be very successful in it. Uh, it is a little different, though. You know, for me, I, what fascinated me was the fact that, you know, in mixed martial arts, you get to use it all. It, it really is one of those things that it it's, really, it, it's a chess battle. Uh, every single move, every single thing can be countered. Uh, there's reversals, Uh, you can fight on the ground, you can not fight on the ground. Um, It's who's going to be able to impose uh, their game. And um, with, you know, the the strictly standing up and and doing the bare knuckle thing, I I think it's probably exciting uh, for a lot of people. There's no doubt about it. Um, But for me, I I, I prefer the the mixed martial arts, uh, you know, type of combat myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, having broken my hands before,
3: it just seems like a death <laughs> sentence for my, for my hands at this point. If I were to try to, you
2: Pretty know, sure. wrap
3: one of these things off somebody's grape without a glove on, I, I just prefer not to do that. I was surprised to yeah. see Johnny Hendricks go there though. That doesn't, I mean, that's, I that's a big signing as far as the bare knuckle world is concerned to see a guy, a former welterweight champ go there. Um, I mean, do you think that stuff like that is going to, we're going to see a migration of guys? trying to extend the career, going to stuff like that, or grappling tournaments or
0: things like that? Well, I
3: think think you nailed it.
0: I think it's more of an extension of their career, not necessarily their first option. Um, You know, I I think they are starting to put a lot of money behind uh, these events, so that is really what's attracting these guys. If it was up to them, I think they would probably be fighting in one of the larger mixed martial arts organizations that would be paying them. Um, but these guys are throwing around a lot of cash um, so I think that's really what's making it attractive and unfortunately for a, a lot of mixed martial arts fighters or professional athletes in general right I mean we're, we're typically not the best or not the uh, most known for knowing how to manage your our money and that's right. the sad part of it it for for me is is that some of these guys have to. I hope that's not the case for a lot of them, but I know that that's the case for some of them uh, at the least. So uh, that's the hard part. And, right. you know, for these guys, they're very good at fighting. Um, There's not a whole lot of other things they could do, and and they have to do this to make a living. And, um, you know, I, I do hope that their heart is in it at the very least and that they're fighting with, you know, a lot of that passion that they showed earlier in their career because that's when you start to get, injuries, or you can get, you know, you can do serious harm to yourself. Um, You know, we only have one brain, uh, and, you know, we've seen long-term effects from this uh, from football and and combat sports um, in in the past, and and hopefully that doesn't happen with a lot of my my colleagues. Yes. No, I I mean, and, you know, you're segueing perfectly
3: for me here because this is what I wanted to ask you about. As far as extending careers go, you and and Fisping in particular – there are not two guys in the game that have done a better job in transitioning from the cage to what comes next. I mean, you know, you were always known as like a very cerebral fighter and, and having a super high fight IQ and on top of being a very intelligent guy. Did you imagine at some point that the analyst thing is it was what's going to happen? And I mean, because you just sort of dove headfirst into this role and, you know, you're synonymous with that now.
0: Dale, I would love to tell you that it was my plan all along, but I would be lying through my teeth. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think that that would be an option. I, I always kind of envisioned that. Um, and I think it's important to kind of have those, uh, dreams and aspirations to kind of put those vibes out there and, and see what happens. Um, and, and also, I, I just feel extremely fortunate that a lot of these opportunities have been put on my lap and, and, you know, a lot of people love to criticize the UFC and and, and you know other organizations uh, for not helping them out and this and that. I, I was lucky that I was at the right place at the right time, uh, and, and they gave me that those opportunities. You know, everyone from Dana White to Joe Silva and and, and the powers that be on, on the production side of things for the UFC, and you know when I started over at ESPN, and then I was brought over to Fox, and and now it looks like you know um, you know the sports moving back over to ESPN. I've just been very lucky that people have been pleased with my work and, and that I've, I was given those initial opportunities. I was given a chance. I was given a shot. And, um, you know, I, I'm really grateful for that. You know, I really am because at the end of the day, I love martial arts. I love talking about fighting. It's, it's one of the most fascinating things for me. It never gets old. Um, you know, a lot of interesting characters to talk about. And, and I just love seeing the evolution of the sport and, and seeing it. Uh, improve, uh, in a lot of aspects and, and, um, seeing the fighters just get better and more technical and, and seeing the sport change, uh, before me and seeing, you know, where I came from and, and what we were talking about back then as far as fighting and seeing where it is now. I think we're heading in the right direction, uh, on a technical level. Um, the fighters are getting better. They are getting more dangerous. Um, you know, they're using more weapons and, and that's what makes it more exciting for me as an analyst and as a fan.
3: So having time away, you know, and being able to take a step back and dissect things, I think a lot of people realize no matter what your profession is, or even hobbies rather, if you're so close to your work for so long and then you get a chance to take a step back and then you re-examine it, uh, a lot of times you're able to approach things with more success or in a different light. That being said, yeah. being in the, the analysis game, as long as you've been now, is there anything that you wanted, like you'd want to go back and tell 20-year-old Kenny, like? You know, hey man, maybe, maybe maybe we don't spar so hard every day. Or you know, what what what's a, what's a what's a key piece of advice that he should have heard?
0: Dude, how about everything? Everything. <laughs> I would probably change most of everything I've ever done. You know, I, I think the one one thing I think I would probably listen to myself a little bit more. I probably probably would use a little bit more intuition. Now, not to say that I didn't use it. Um, sometimes I used it, and and it was a failure. Some and sometimes I didn't, and I wish I did, so I think that was probably a part of it, you know, um, on the technical side of things, I I think I would do things a lot differently, I was lucky that early on, I kind of realized that, you know, uh, hard sparring, there wasn't a whole lot of value for me, you know, like, I I knew either you're going to be tough, or you're not, and I had some of those hard sparring sessions, no doubt about it, Um, but you know, I knew that technical sparring was, was the key, you know, um, and making it as realistic as possible without making it dangerous uh, on a daily basis, I, I thought was super important. So I was lucky that I had that. Um, you know, I, I think really uh, just being able to be around um, better coaching, you know, early on, I think would have helped me. Um, I, I had some good coaches. I had a lot of people that helped me a lot throughout my career. Um but, um, yeah, I mean, as I look back now, as 42-year-old Kenny, looking back at 20-year-old Kenny, I would I would have changed a lot of things.
3: Right. I feel the same way like six months ago. Like, if I could go back and tell
0: six, <laughs> exactly. six months
3: ago, i like, hey, man. Same. Don't,
0: don't want same. Calm
3: down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So Thanks, let me sir. ask
3: you this. Um, I, you know, I'm sure you can't even go – you can't go to the grocery store without somebody walking up to you and asking you about fights, but our – our podcast is based primarily on sports betting, and in particular, MMA betting. I mean, that's really our bread and butter. That's mm-hmm. sort of what we pride ourselves on. Um, I'm just going to throw some fights at you, real quick. And if you want to give me a, a, a pick or a pass, that'd be great.
0: You cool with this? Sure. All right. Yeah. So this absolutely.
3: Coming weekend, Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. How do you feel about that?
0: That's a tricky one. Both guys have serious knockout power. We haven't seen Ozdemir in a little while. Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith has been way more active. I, I feel like he's more dangerous from the outside, um, whereas Uzdemir is more dangerous on the inside, particularly with those uppercuts and hooks. Um, if I had to make a choice right now, I would go with Uzdemir for the win. I'm with
3: you on that. I feel like he's got to be the play until shown otherwise. Smith has been a little
0: up and down,
3: and, you know, I I love Rashad um, and, and Shogun. But they're sort of on the tail end, and Uzamir right in, I feel like, in his prime, so I'm going with him as well. Here's yep. here's the switch up with the whole Khabib thing, and I'm I'm purposely avoiding the Khabib fiasco because I it, mm-hmm. I don't want to give that any more light. Michael Johnson, <laughs> Michael Johnson stepping in to, to take on Artem Lobov. Yeah, am I, am I wrong in thinking that that's like a sneaky bad fight for Johnson because he's not done well with guys that to continually walk forward and apply endless pressure like Lobov does. I feel like this line is closer than maybe it should be, or am I just looking too hard for an underdog here? Well,
0: I I would say that given the fact that Michael Johnson is taking the fight on relatively short notice, um, I I think there's some truth to what you're saying. I think given a a full camp, given a full eight weeks for Michael Johnson to prepare for Artem Lobov, I think he's a bad matchup for Lobov uh based on his style um I, I think he has much faster hands uh than Lobov I think Lobov um doesn't have great head movement he doesn't have great footwork he kind of plods forward uh and he's there to be hit um and, and Michael Johnson i just think he's going to be the faster guy i think he hits harder as well um i i think it could get interesting i agree in in, in that third round if Lobov is still in front of him um Given the fact that 145 is, is is a new weight class for him, it, it's not an easy weight cut for Michael Johnson. So, um, I think it could get interesting if this fight goes late. Um, but I I do think Michael Johnson has a style that could give a lot of problems for for Lobov. But you're right; traditionally, the guys who can pressure him uh, have given him trouble. I just don't think um, Lobov is is defensively responsible uh, to to be that guy. You have said more nice things about Artem Lobov
3: than I think anybody has said in the <laughs> guy fighting in the UFC. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure he's going to yeah. absolutely love this if you ever listen to right. oh, yeah, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The speed-, speed round here. All right. So Rock Rockhold out. Sousa's in. So you got Jacare versus Weidman. What do you like?
0: I think Weidman, I, I think uh, just based on his wrestling background, I think he's going to be able to keep it on the feet. Uh, and either score takedowns and get on top of Jacare, where Jacare is a little less scary. Um, Yeah, I like Weidman in that fight.
3: All right, Adesanya versus Brunson.
0: Jeez, you know, Brunson's so hit or miss. I got to go with Adesanya. I think this guy is just
3: uh, amazing on the feet. I think Brunson carries his hands way too low, man, and he walks that chin up. It drives me nuts. I just constantly am, like, screaming at the TV, chin down, hands up. I feel like it's, like, day one in the gym. It drives me nuts. Um, 100%. All right, so Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie. Is this the fight of the year? Because I feel like
0: nobody's talking about this fight. I know it. I know it. And it's such a great fight. Korean Zombie, very exciting, very aggressive, uh, taking on Frankie Edgar, who is, is very much the same. Um, you know, Frankie Edgar's he's a little bit later in his career, but I still think he's got it. Uh, I think he takes this one against the Korean Zombie. I think I think zombie's just too uh too inactive at this point to, to keep with a guy yeah. keep up
3: with a guy that's as active as Frankie is. All right. Yep. Cowboy versus Mike Perry.
0: This is very interesting. Mike Perry has just insane power. He's a guy who could put your life out at any moment. Uh Donald Cerrone's a more technical guy. He's gonna be taller. He's gonna be able to or should be able to keep Mike Perry on the outside. Um but not an easy one, man. I don't know. I, I have to uh, – I'm going to pass on this one as far as giving a okay. prediction. I've got to do more homework on these guys. But um, not to say I don't know them. I just would like to see a little bit more video before I give a prediction. Yeah, I'm with you. I think,
3: honestly, yeah. my I think the X factor in it is going to be the first three minutes. How quick can Cowboy get yes. started? If he goes slow, yes. it's going to be a bad night for him. All right. I, I, know he, I know he's your boy, and I feel like I already know the answer anyway, but DC versus Derek Lewis. Yeah,
0: you know what? Listen, boy or not, I think that um, he's just a bad matchup for Derek Lewis. He needs to go in there. Don't even try to trade with Derek Lewis. Put Lewis on his back. You know, cash that check and get out of there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he he needs to just go ahead and just see if Khabib will just like throw him the playbook that he used to beat Connor. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Get get to the get to the logo. Hundred (laughs) percent. Yep. Yep. All right, man. We're you know we're over time. You've been super generous. I don't want to keep you. I know you got stuff to do. I mean, you're, I don't know if there's a guy as busy as you are, so I want to respect that. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you talking. And this has been
1: an absolute treat.
0: Absolute pleasure for me, man. And uh yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the podcast.
1: All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Kenny Florian. Like I said, it was a good time. Absolutely had a blast talking to him. Uh, he will be back on the show here at some point. So that's always something to look forward to. And, uh, if you haven't already, you know, or if you don't already rather go to Instagram, show him some love and, uh, you know, let them know that you appreciate him coming on the show, all that kind of good stuff that helps build the show, helps build the community. And, and, you know, it's just, like we said, we want to, take the opportunity when we can to help people that help us and then, you know, reach forward and and pay it forward and help other people. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview, but all that to say, we got some fights this weekend, baby. I'm pumped up. This is a card full of killers. I'm super excited. I'm going to let you say something soup. Otherwise I'm just going to keep talking and I won't stop.
2: No, I just wanted to touch on the Kenny Florian interview. Um, For those of you guys that know, like, our family. Um, so Kenny Florian was one of the original ultimate fighters. I mean, on you know, the show, the ultimate fighter season one, he was on the original cast. Uh, I believe that aired, like I was probably 13 or 14 years old. Um, so Kenny Florian is part of the original group who really put UFC in the general public's eye. Um, I know it had a lot to do with that Stefan Bonner, Forrest Griffin fight at the end of the ultimate fighter. But guys like Kenny Florian, you know, guys like as he mentioned Chris Lieben, these guys were, you know, the original. As far as my generation goes, these were the original guys who really, who really brought light to the combat sports and really brought it to the public eye and gave us a chance to enjoy it. So uh, this was this this was a huge moment for I know not only for you getting to interview him. But the fact that I co-host a podcast that just had Kenny Florian on for interview, I normally don't fanboy out, but I'm going to. I it's it's an awesome moment. Um, I'm really glad that he took time out of his day to talk to you. And like he alluded to, we do have an interview with Chris Lieben coming up, so we have another Ultimate Fighter season one alumni. Um, a lot of big stuff, man. And this this to all of our listeners, this isn't possible without you guys. Uh, nobody's going to want to come and listen to a podcast that only has two listeners. These guys do their research. They listen to our podcast. They see our views and stuff. We owe this to you guys to give us the ability to talk to guys like Chris and guys like Kenny Florian and uh, guys like even Shorty Torres, you know, who was our first guest who really paved the way for all these other guys to come on. I just wanted to say thank you to our listeners. I appreciate it guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a domino effect because uh, like you, like you said, they get on and they look and they see, well, has anybody been on the show before? Who are these guys? And they listen and, you know, it, it's got to be a thing, but we're consistently, you know, we are, we don't just say it online. Uh, we are the number one MMA betting podcast on iTunes. We're consistently in the top 15 of sports betting. That's because of this fan base. That's because of this community. You know, you, however you stumbled upon us, you may think that this might be some little Bush league operation and maybe to an extent it is, however, this community has shown itself to be fiercely loyal, and you know our listens are. I can almost handicap our listens uh, based upon you know how what what events are happening for the weekend and everything else. I mean, it's just fantastic, and it's it's something that you know we we had set goals when this first started. We set six month goals and we set year goals, and we surpassed our year, our year goals last month. So it's just it's something it's like we shot way too low. Uh and everything continues to get better. you know, everybody loves a good bloodbath, everybody loves a good violent, aggressive fighter. Again, he's not just the host of a show. You guys got to get on, you know, get on UFC Fight Pass. Hell, watch highlight videos on YouTube. Doesn't matter. You check out Kenny Florian. People have said for years he's had the sharpest elbows that ever existed in MMA. The guy literally was slicing people open like he had katanas on the tips of his uh elbows just absolute bloodbath everywhere he goes speaking of absolute killers this weekend a stacked card uh the ufc always puts on great cards whenever they go to canada this one is no different despite you know maybe not household name power there is going to be a ton of great fights on this card I'm gonna go ahead and start with a, you know, one of, one of the first picks I want to cover on this fight or on this card rather is has a local guy on it, the Canadian Nordin Talib taking on Sean Strickland. This is a battle of two elite level strikers, two guys that are looking to make a name for themselves. You know, the, Nordin Talib is forward, 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 pressure, pressure, pressure. He does not stop, and Sean Strickland is one of like those guys that ascribes to the slow is smooth smooth is fast lifestyle he doesn't ever look riled up he doesn't ever look intimidated he just goes out there and just stone face american psycho killer faces as opponents and then picks them apart i mean the guy's 19 and 3 he does not play around he is a stone cold killer but he's coming up against a piece of canadian granite in nordine talib it's going to be a fantastic fight and it's the first fight i want to talk about tonight
2: Go get it. Okay, you just gonna
1: let me go at it? All right, cool. Yeah, go uh, ahead. You're you're on a roll. No, okay. So no, no I mean here's what here's 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 what it is. So Taleb has he, he's you know, he's compact. He's got great um he's got great stand up. He's a very underrated kickboxer. And the thing about him though is he stays compact and his fundamentals are tight. They are sound. Uh so when you get Nordine Talib in front of you, it's like the carbon copy of what you're supposed to be doing when you're in the gym you know like what a straight right looks like what a straight you know what, what a jab what a check hook what you know all of these things he literally throws things from a technical proficiency standpoint that you don't see in a lot of guys so when he comes at you you know it's basically like you're fighting the computer bot you know and when you're playing a, a game that has ai you're fighting the bot uh he does everything crisp he does everything the way he's supposed to and he's got a gas tank which is surprising, uh, for how muscular he is and how, uh, you know, ca- compact he is to make the weight that he does. Uh, he's very aggressive. He's got a decent chin. I wish it was better. And he is susceptible to submissions. He's been submitted a couple times. Claudio Silva got him, uh, with a rear naked choke. It, it is possible and Strickland is slick. Uh, but, Strickland, in my opinion, despite being a very, very accomplished and aggressive and, and just a, a sound fighter has shown himself to be a bit of a head case at times where if he can't get going early or he doesn't see the level of success he anticipates at the level or at the time he expects it to show up, he will sort of shut it down and go into cruise control. He f- has a hard time turning on the aggression later in the fights. Um, he sort of depends on himself to be accurate and powerful early. And if he's not, then the fights, if they go past, you know, around, around and a half, he tends to call it in and it's there for the taking. Now, 19 and three is nothing to scoff at. The guy does have the ability to win fights even in the later rounds, but he does sort of slow it down and, and, and shut it down if it's not going the way he, you know, sees it to be, and especially as of late, he's been sort of hit and miss with his last couple of fights in the UFC. It's where those losses came from. He was undefeated for a very long time. I think Nordine Talib does enough to get get it done in front of the hometown crowd. Um, not necessarily hometown Canada, but just hometown in country. So home country crowd, I think he can get it done either by decision or knockout. I'm not sure, but you know, my bookie's got the line coming in pretty even. Talib's coming in at a minus one oh five. I you know I like him in that in that fight. I like that line. I'm just going to money line pick Tlaib to win this fight.
2: Yeah, I like it. Um we talked about this off air um cuz as everybody who listens know, you know, football's my thing, UFC is your thing, but we both enjoy the opposite sport. We both have opinions on it, but we let the other ride. Um we talked about this about talib's nonstop pressure and his ability to kick and him being an underrated kickboxer and and uh and strickland's just straight passiveness and how that's going to play against him in this fight i think you hit the nail on the head um i like talib as the slight underdog at a minus 105 i think that's the right play yeah,
1: and you know, speaking of passiveness, this brings me to the next fight, and the, and you know, this is the one I really want to cover, and want to get to. We're going from a, a a fight where there might be a passive fighter to a fight where there is guaranteed to be no passive fighter whatsoever, and that is the main event of this card. Now, keep in mind, guys, it's a Fox Sports One card. The one critical thing I have to say about these Fox Sports One cards is the fact that they take forever. So, if you're watching this main event, which is going to be Volkan Uzdemir versus Anthony Lionheart Smith, It's probably going to be 1 o'clock in the morning when you're watching it. If you stay up to watch it, that's what time it's going to be on. These FS1 cards are paced horrendously. But I promise you, if you stay up, you are going to be in for a treat. It is going to be a cupcake of violence, complete with whatever kind of sprinkles and icing you want on it. This fight will not and cannot, listen to me here, will not and cannot be disappointing. It is going to be an app for however long it lasts. And it's probably not going to last that long. It's going to be a you know, a Mozart level symphony of violence between these two guys. It's going to be fantastic soup. Who do you like in this fight?
2: Uh, so I picked on Tuesday. I said um, Lionheart by submission in the third round. Um, obviously that was just I'm just throwing it out there as a crazy prop bet. Um, when it comes down to it, I think it comes down to the initial burst. From uh, from Ozdemir, if Anthony Smith can survive that, I don't think he I don't I I don't know if he can. And I don't know if he will. Um, if I had to pick a winner, I'd probably go with Ozdemir just because of his pedigree and his um, his experience. But uh, I know that we both agree on the play that you're both about that you're about to present. So uh, I'll, I'll let you handle this one. But uh, if I had to pick a winner, it'd be Ozdemir.
1: Yeah, and I think that Ozdemir is going to be the winner in this fight. That's not our play, though. The play is under a round and a half. Uh, Ozdemir's got 12 first-round finishes. Anthony Smith is saying he's going to go in there and demolish Ozdemir to the point where people are going to wonder why he was even in the same cage as him, which is big words. Uh, However... It's not often that a guy says some nonsense like that, and I actually believe it to be so. I actually believe that that, that's what Anthony Smith feels in his heart, and I think he knows that he has got to get Ozdemir out of there. However, if he's smart, he weathers the storm, he gets this to like the second round, he gets it into the middle of the second round, allows uh, Ozdemir to tire himself out the same way he did when he fought Daniel Cormier, And then decides to go after him. I just don't think that Ozdemir is going to allow him to disengage for that long. I mean, we're talking about if you make it past the second round, that's literally holding a guy that's trying to murder you at bay for 10 minutes. I don't think that that's what's going to happen here. I think that however it happens, Ozdemir is going to push the tempo. um, You know, Watching videos of him online, training for this fight, and just knowing that the guy's propensity to finish in the first round, I think this is going to be a fight in which he goes in there and he's he's aggressive and pushes the pace to the point where somebody's got to finish the fight at some point, and it's going to happen early. A round and a half is giving you you know seven minutes and thirty seconds of you know violence of two. Keep in mind these guys are fighting at two hundred five pounds. That's what they're going to weigh in at. That when they're going to weigh in at. That's not what they're going to fight at. So, tomorrow, these guys are going to weigh in at 205 pounds, but they're probably going to be fighting closer to 230, 225 area. So, you're talking about two, you know, six foot three, six foot four guys, respectively, uh, that weigh 220 plus pounds swinging bombs at each other. And, you know, between. Anthony Smith's great Muay Thai skills, his great kicks, elbows. You've got the uppercuts of Ozdemir. You've got, you know, this real sharp, crisp boxing and hooks. The only thing that might make this fight go past a round and a half is the fact that both these guys have great chins, despite being uh, wanton for violence. They both have pretty good chins, but I just don't see it going past a round and a half the only way it does is if one of them comes out and they were bullshitting the whole time and they're going to be super timid, which I don't see happening. But stranger things have happened in the octagon. Just look at uh, what was it when John Jones fought Rashad Evans. Those guys were talking about like how they were going to eat each other's children and then they came out there and sparred for five rounds. It doesn't really matter, though. I think this fight ends in under a round and a half. That's my play. doesn't matter who wins. Under a round and a half, that's it. Put the stamp on it. over with
2: (laughs) to do a quick rundown for you guys because i know a lot of you guys listen to this on your commute to work and stuff and i know it's hard to keep track of the picks as we go over them especially with the interview in between Um, the picks for this week on the podcast we went duke minus two and a half versus Pitt. we went a five unit play on texas a&m plus one Um, we'll say we'll say five unit play texas a&m plus one not money line plus one Texas a 5 units against Ole Miss. Uh, we went with the Steelers and Browns under 48 and a half. We went with Carolina plus two at home against the Ravens. We went with Talib at a minus 105 to win his fight. And we went with the under one and a half in the Demir and Smith fight. So just, I know that's going to make it easier on a lot of you guys. Um, so you're not trying to remember this stuff over, you know, an hour long episode with the interview in between. So those are our picks for this week. We are going to have more on the Patreon page. Dale, if you've got a minute, I've got something NBA related <clears throat> that I, I would like time. to touch on. I got time. So the first time we really spoke <clears throat> about NBA, oh, one second, guys, hold on.
1: You wetting a whistle right now?
2: Yeah. So the first time we spoke about NBA, really, it was a real brief um, five minute. do say argument. We'll say discussion. And. <laughs> I'm not going to point fingers and say who, but somebody had the nerve to say that Jimmy Butler wasn't important. I said that. Well, here's the thing. The Houston Rockets seem to disagree. The Houston Rockets are offering four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler. Okay. And the Minnesota Timberwolves have not accepted. So there's at least two teams that think that Jimmy Butler is pretty damn important. And so far through the season, he's averaging 24 points, six rebounds, four assists, And four steals. Four steals. That is that's like John Stockton shit right there. I mean, four steals a game is outrageous. Easy. Four first round picks for one player.
1: Okay. Now that's the max.
2: You can't you can't offer the max amount of first round picks you're allowed to offer in a deal is four first round picks. So this is a max offer. Okay. There, the As far as draft picks go, you can't offer anything better.
1: Okay. Now, how does the NBA draft work? Is it a lottery system?
2: Right. Yeah, it has okay. lottery picks. Correct.
1: Okay. All right. So in order for you to have draft picks or the amount of or where you're standing in the draft comes from is based solely on your record, correct? Correct. Okay. So if you're Houston and you're going to finish in the top three of the Western Conference, are you going to be more likely to pick at the beginning of the draft or at the end of the, the round?
2: At the end of the round. Okay. Listen, All right. So you're still getting offered, let you're me still make getting my offered point. four top 30 players. Let me make my point. Okay. I'm listening.
1: All right. That being said, have they disclosed what years these draft picks are coming out of?
2: Yeah. Well, so they can't be back-to-back drafts and it can't be outside of seven years. So it'll have to be every other year. So it'll be next year, uh, skip a year, the year after that, skip a year, year after that, skip a year, year after that, skip a year, year after that. That's the way it has to be because you can't offer back-to-back first round picks.
1: Okay. So they're basically offering a kid that's not even in high school yet for Jimmy Butler.
2: Right, He's not but important. you're acting like you're not. not you're not going to. You're acting Listen. like you're not going to get talent. This is setting Minnesota up to use these these picks as trade bait to dump a guy like Georges Jiang, who's getting paid forty eight million dollars over his contract. This is setting Minnesota up for the future if they want to hold on to these picks because you got guys. I mean, look at Draymond Green. He was drafted what, like thirty fifth overall. Um, you got guys. Like Tiny Nate Archibald, who went I think in the he went in the low twenties. Uh, Tony Parker, who went twenty eighth overall. Uh, you, there's so much talent to be found in the bottom of the first round in NBA drafts.
1: So it's a diamond in the rough it's, situation. So so not, he's big. Manu Ginobili went
2: fifty seventh. Dennis Rodman went twenty seventh. There's so much talent to be had.
1: So I mean, essentially, four, four, four,
2: four of diamond of in them.
1: the rough. Okay, so Jimmy Butler is worth four Mega Millions lottery tickets.
2: Okay. Yeah, one in yeah one in three hundred million. Don't How be, many people make man. the NBA? How many people make the NBA? A year, sixty. Yeah. Okay, sixty sixty players get drafted, and then you get on you know you get unsigned guys or undrafted. So what guys are your unsigned. odds?
1: What what are the odds of making it to the NBA as a high school kid? Next, this about is, the same as winning the lottery. About the same as winning the lottery. So me yeah, saying but Jimmy Butler so worth four lottery away. tickets.
2: You're getting not, so far. Away. You, the only thing you can compare them to are the other guys in the draft. You're comparing them to every high school student in America. That's so far away from the argument. That makes no sense. What are you talking about? You're talking about you're trading them for draft picks. These are people that aren't even in the league yet. And then yes, it's got to be every other year. are talking about guys that aren't even in the league or they're not even in they, high school. That doesn't matter. They're at the When they use that draft pick, they are going to be top 30 players in the country. They're going to be one of the thirty best players in the or in the in the in the world, not even country because you have international guys. It's going to be a top thirty player in the world
1: that isn't currently in the NBA.
2: Correct. Yes, a top thirty player in the world to pick from.
1: Yes. Who got drafted Four before Michael Jordan? It. Sam Bowie. Okay. He had a good career.
2: What do you what are you getting at there? I don't. That that makes.
1: I'm just saying, number one guys don't work out. Right, number twenty nine, thirty, or even less likely to work out.
2: So, what, you would just get get rid of the draft and just everybody have an auction bid on free agents?
1: No, not I at mean, all. You have,
2: to, you have to draft. Not that's, at all. What that's I'm part sa- of the draft.
1: What I'm so saying just as is-
2: just as likely the number one guy not working out, a number thirty guy might work out. So, it, like that's just that's a counter argument against yourself. Listen, I, you've I got understand guys in the lottery love, who don't work out.
1: I understand that you love the underdog story because you're a Tom Brady guy. I get that. All I'm saying is Jimmy Butler isn't worth four first round picks. He's not, I, I, again, he's not, he's not, I'm not saying that he's not an elite level talent. He absolutely is. But to just sit there and act like you're Kawhi Leonard is just ludicrous. You're not that big a deal, man. And if anything, if anything, he has shown himself to be a cancerous cyst in a locker room. Every team he mm. goes to falls apart from the inside out.
2: No, they the loved him Chico- love in Chicago. They loved him so much they got rid of him. I, I think Carl Anthony Towns is the cancer in this locker room because Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is paid to play basketball. It is his job. Jimmy Butler shows up to do his job. And from all the reports, Cat is – this is a joke to him. He's getting paid millions to play a game. What does he care Jimmy Butler's there. To, Jimmy Butler is the ultimate underdog. He was a homeless teenager sleeping on a bench oh with gosh. no college offers. Oh no. He is there to get to dude. Jimmy Butler is a very, very good basketball player. He's a top twenty basketball player in the NBA.
1: I'm not saying that he's not a good basketball player. I'm just saying he's not what you're making him out to be.
2: He's top twenty in the NBA.
1: That's that's your opinion. I'm not. I, this is this is a this is approaching an hour long episode. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I can make it two hours if you want to talk about Jimmy Butler.
1: No, I don't. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Appreciate appreciate you. Uh all of the odds that we use today, again, can be found on mybookie. Go to mybookie.ag. Use promo code Cash. Get a hundred percent deposit on or a hundred percent match on your initial deposit. We just placed a max unit bet. You want to make it that max, even more max, go to mybookie.ag put in promo code, give me cash and get a hundred percent match on your initial deposit. That's it for me. Wish you guys the best this weekend. Good luck everybody. And I'll see everybody on Tuesday. If I don't talk to you on social media before then take care guys.
2: As always guys from the first, uh, official pro Jimmy Butler podcast, clear eyes, full fist can't lose.